to episode 53 of Let Go Lean In podcast. We are celebrating our first birthday for this podcast. So excited to be able to share some gifts with you during this birthday month. And I'll have all the details at the end of this episode. But I just want to remind you, all you have to do is head over to Let Go Lean In podcast com and click learn more and you will get signed up for the resource recap newsletter and the first birthday gift to you will arrive in your inbox so more details at the end of this wonderful conversation with my friend Iceland. thanks for being here Well, welcome once again to Let Go Lean In podcast. I am practically vibrating with energy because I get to introduce you all to a dear friend of mine today. Aislinn, thank you for being here. I'm honored. I love being in your presence. So (laughs) I will take any excuse to chat with you. So thank you. Oh my goodness. So this, this is going to sound a little bit like a mutual admiration society. And, and I'm just going to say up front, that's because God has put us together. And I don't even remember how many years ago it was. I cannot remember. I want to say maybe five or six years ago. Yeah. We had gotten together with a group in East Palo Alto um, at a friend's um, shop where she's providing jobs and a community of women um, in East Palo Alto to provide jobs. And um, we were talking, it was like for the Highway Artists Group. And you said you were so brave because it was a group of people who are filmmakers and designers and artists. And he said, I don't even know if I belong here. This is what I hope to do is to coach people. Um, And my name is Lisa. And I like the hairs on the back of my, my neck stood up because I had been praying for someone specifically, like just in the mess of trying to figure out who I was as a as a creative, I didn't, I felt like I was, you know, an imposter as well. Um, cause I hadn't created anything except for what I, you know, piddled around and did at home. Um, but I also felt like I belonged with this community of amazing, brave, creative, like authentic people. Oh, yeah. So I would come, you know, every couple months. And then at the same time, I'm like, I really would love to walk alongside someone, maybe a mentor so I could talk about these things. And then you said that you wanted to become a coach. And I think as soon as the conversation stopped, I walked right over to you. And I think you did. Yeah. I said, hi, my name is Isley. I think I've been praying for you (laughs) (laughs) or something like that. And I was like, oh, no, no, that I just, you know, regret. I was like, oh, that's one way to freak someone out and have another direction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hi, I've been praying for you. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm waiting for you. Thanks for showing up. Yeah. Time with you. Oh my goodness. But yeah, it's been like that ever since. And and you just 
I'm just going to say to all of you listening, don't neglect those hairs standing up on the back of your neck and you're realizing it's like move forward, step mm -hmm. into this conversation because God's in the midst of that. And, and here we are all these many years later. And so many things have been going on in your life, which is why I'm so thrilled to have this conversation in this formal way, air quotes, um, because other people need to know another way of leading and especially in the work that you're doing. So before I just get off in the rabbit hole of appreciating who you are, I need to introduce you formally to our listeners. So I'm going to read to you Iceland's bio. Iceland Suparak Gibson is a graduate student at Harvard studying environmental sustainability. Full stop. That's amazing. Okay, that's not in writing. Now I'm going to read her, her bio again. Her passion is growing, making, and eating food. Yes. Iceland is combining her previous career as a corporate business analyst with a master's in sustainability research to help farmers transition to regenerative practices. Her goal is to help farmers produce food that is sustainable for their businesses while also pulling carbon out of the atmosphere and boosting our environment. Iceland was the founder of Modern Hive Design, where she designed solutions for urban beekeepers and our struggling pollinator population, was a writer for House Magazine, and most recently was a consultant to the International Space Station National Laboratory. When she is not working on her master's thesis, she is slowly restoring a 1962 mid-century Eichler home that she shares with her husband, two boys, six chickens, beehives, and a large rescue Labrador in San Jose, California. Aislinn, I am so thrilled to introduce you to our listeners. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. And um, to your listeners, thanks for you know, spending a few minutes of your precious time with us. Yeah, yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Time is so precious. And, and just to be able to kind of help people, women specifically, get to learn and see themselves in new ways. A podcast seems like it's just a brilliant thing because here we are talking about life and what it's like to be in the messy middle, some words that you mentioned a little bit ago. So I would love to ask you my, my favorite question, because I love stories, but in regard to leadership specifically, mm -hmm. Can you think of an early awareness that you had of yourself being a leader? Yeah, that's a, that is a great question. I would say early on, I was told I was a leader by other people. Mm. Um, and I think it's, you know, I'm the oldest of two girls. So as an older sibling, you're given the responsibility of being an example um and you know for me it was taking care of my, my younger sister and then in high school and probably earlier on because I was a good student I was given leadership positions you know mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. told you should try doing this you should try running for student council um so I did those things because I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's because I've been told I'm a leader, I am a leader, and tried to fit into that role. Um, 
But I would have to say when I was outside of that environment, when I left for college, I wasn't around my family. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in, uh, you know, in public school. I realized, you know, I, I didn't want to be that leader. You know, mm-hmm. it felt very lonely. I personally did not like being in front of people or telling them what to do or making a decision mm-hmm. um, for a group. And I think like it's taken me years to realize it felt a bit like an obligation. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt a bit oppressive. So, you know, while, you know, you're in college and trying out different things, um, well, I was in college and trying out different things. Um, I, I began to pursue what I loved, you know, so even though this is, I think, you know, I was, this is going to be very messy. You know, you can edit all this out. No, this is great. <laughs> so I began to explore and I realized like, I love learning in a collective environment, mm. not, you know, a traditional environment where, where you've got one person who's an authority and you're just, you know, digesting all that information. Cause that is essentially is what my undergrad at Berkeley was, you know, all your lectures where you go and you learn and you try to digest and spit it back out. Like right. the environments I loved were alongside people, you oh, know, okay. the group of people. I first experienced that in the dorms, you know, with freshmen who were in completely different majors, you know, in business or figuring right. it out or who were from the Midwest, but we all had a collective like goal of trying to figure out like, how do you do your laundry? How do oh, you yeah. pay the bills? You know, how do you pay your tuition? How do you do, how do you register for classes? And we learned alongside each other. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, and so I didn't realize that at the time. And a lot of those people are still my friends. So moving along, like I realized, like, I love this, you know, exploring and trying new things, mm-hmm. um, deciding as a group, and then just really like playing experimentation, you know? So I didn't have the obligation of a traditional leadership role, but I did realize as I started doing this, you know, outside of college, you know, pursuing beekeeping or restoring a house, really quirky, weird things at the time for me, I realized people wanted to come alongside and we could learn together. Mm. And I just felt very comfortable sharing because I didn't feel like I had all the answers but I could definitely share my failures. <laughs> I could mm, share what worked mm. and what didn't. Um, so yeah, that's that's a long answer to leadership. I I think I was totally, I was a leader as defined by other people. Right. But then I realized um, that really wasn't for me. And, you know, it's quite possibly I could do it in a quieter way where I didn't have to fit a mold. Ah, I like that. Yeah. And, and I love how you recognized that in coming alongside, whether you are coming alongside someone else or they're coming alongside you, there's still that sharing of ideas and, and trying new things. So you're stepping together. And honestly, you know, I, I shared this with you before we started our conversation formally, but leading is really influence. And so Mm -hmm. influence can be quiet. It leadership is not only the traditional authoritarian, charismatic male. 
that yeah. is that is a way mm -hmm. but you know transformational leadership is is sharing your failures and what you're learning and saying oh hey come alongside this is this is what's happening here and what do you have to contribute because i bet you have learned some things here and equipping people right that's that's what you have done so beautifully is affirm what other people are learning and wanting to know more and here's what i've learned and yeah, it's, it is a quiet way of leading, but it is definitely a collaborative way of leading. Yeah, that's, oh, I think you put that so beautifully. You know, it's so, it's both ways, I guess, mm -hmm. where both people are restored by the process. Yes. Um, you know, I think living in Silicon Valley, you always hear about people who are burned out starting their businesses. I mean, mm -hmm. I even have friends and you know them too. Yeah. you know it's just one direction and i think it's that's not i mean because i'm in sustainability it's not sustainable you know exactly so extractive you know and it's yeah. we go through seasons we're not meant to be machines and I don't know, i'm going off on a different direction but i yeah i and talking to you too i still have that mentality of leadership Mm. but I'm hoping to replace it with better examples. And, and honestly, you are, because even as you are pursuing your thesis writing, you're seeing in other people who are further down the path than you are, how they've done it. Mm -hmm. And you're drawn to people that are leading in a way that is not that one mold, right? Yeah. And we look around at organizations, those we know that are leading them and, and people that we don't know personally, and we see that they're figuring it out, right? And, and just like you said about being in college, and it's like, okay, we're figuring this out. We're all figuring it out <laughs> if we're going to be vulnerable and authentic. Mm -hmm. And that is honestly what people are drawn to. They want to come alongside. They want to have a place. Yeah. They want to have a voice. They want yeah. to have a part to play. Mm -hmm. And if and if we're like, I've got it all figured out and you need to follow me, you know, there's some people that'll go along with it, but yeah, not, not the majority. Yeah. So so about sustainability. And I, I just <laughs> I I have been happy to watch and learn and listen and things like that. But what what do you think drew you in that direction? The way that you were working with your bees, the way that your garden has been. I mean, you have heirloom seeds from other countries. You do amazing things. What, what was the draw? Oh, um, thank you. Yes, I, I gosh, it's, I think it's just a fusion of everything I love. Mm. I love food. And heirloom seeds have like color and texture. I love design. I like understanding how things work together. Mm. Um, and I gotta say, I've got a deep love for people who make food. You know, I, I worked in a, a bakery in college, La Farine in Oakland. And I mean, speaking of, of learning from a community of people who are trying to figure it out, you know, everyone was in culinary school. We're all trying to, you know, figure out how to, 
how to get this bakery to run who was just bought by Jeff, um, the owner at the time. Mm -hmm. He was five months into it. So we were just like, what do we do? Like, what kind of products do we do? And there's this camaraderie Mm. and I think a humility that comes from people who create and serve food that I felt, I'm sure in other industries, maybe that's similar, Um, but you really do the nuts and bolts of everything from taking out the trash to, you know, having to hand whip like a creme for a, a, a tart or, you know, we're running low on raspberry. Someone has to go get the ingredients. And so it's, you feel there's just a love and a respect mm. I have for people who create food. And it is, um, it's an offering, you know, it's a yeah. gift. Yeah. And I've also seen how food brings people together. You know, there's a community when you have food as an offering it's a gift and it brings people together and you mm-hmm. your guard is down you're there to fully be present and take in everything through your senses um yeah that's my love of food yeah. and design yeah. and people yeah. so the sustainability really is the underpinning to all that it's going a few steps back like how do we continue mm. to nourish this food that gives us life right Um, and take care of the people who are providing that to us. Mm, Um, And I think there's another angle that was underpinning all that, that's really come to the surface with everyone sheltering in place over the past year because of the coronavirus is an appreciation for nature as Mm. uh, a healing space. There's just something that, you know, people realize we need to go outside. Like we have to be in nature. We just need to slow down. And there's just so many beautiful lessons and textures and smells and sights and just everything going on. And it's changing all the time. And it's so psychologically healing. And I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of dimensions that aren't measured um, that I think because we've slowed down in the past year, I'm able to talk about it because people realize, you know, it resonates with them. They realize, yes, I need to go to the beach. I need to you know, I need to have clean air. You know, in California, we had the wildfires. Oh, man. You could talk about needing clean air, but when you cannot go outside mm-hmm. and you have the most toxic air in the world, it's not just a knowledge. It's like it, in your bones, fact yeah. that, you know, clean air is important and it's really sped up a lot of those things. So yeah. that's must the answer for sustainability. I think it just grabs everything that I love. Um And it's like, how do we continue to do what we do in a restorative way? I love that. And and the things that I have seen in you is this this textured weaving of the things that you love to this focal point of Mm -hmm. learning and developing in a way that you're going to be able to collaboratively lead and expand people's understanding and its accessibility and Mm -hmm. the the little things that we think don't matter do and you can Mm -hmm. do a little thing and it will make a difference and and I just I love this it's the evidence of what I have personally experienced that the things in our lives that we think, oh, that was that season and, and we leave it behind. And then you're in the, the marriage and parenting season. And, you know, that's what I'm doing. And, and we 
think that these things are segmented. And yet the whole theme of sustainability is that it all is interconnected. And so our life is like that too, right? You are, everything you love has intertwined to be where you are right now. And I just, I'm a hundred percent confident that where you're headed, we need to follow. So it's, it's so exciting to, to be watching you, you know, wrestle with all the data and all of that kind of stuff, but it's going to be for good. I just know it. Oh, I love, thank you. I need to hear that because I, I, I'm looking forward and I don't see a path forward for me. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, have to I have to hear truth from other friends because the noise inside my head can be very messy yeah. thank you That's yeah no absolutely absolutely and you know speaking of of being messy and and having noise and stuff mm. when when you are coming to your you know organizing and and getting ready to write or laying out the plan for your garden or you know expanding the chicken coop or whatever it has been do you have a a favorite tool that you like go to do you take notes on your phone i mean what what's your practical thing that you do that that might be helpful to the listeners yeah. in their application cuz i i just believe that there are ways that we you know, implement something and keep ourselves going that we don't even think anything about, but somebody else might go, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So when you're saying before I start um, anything big, I think, or anything that is outside of my comfort zone, mm. I usually have a lot of resistance. And mm. it's funny because a lot of people, like I've heard from the outside, it looks like I'm being daring or trying something different that no one has tried before. Like, oh, no. Um, there's a lot of resistance and there's a tool I learned from Tara Moore um, from her playing big coach book and then coaching series. Yeah. And I think it's been reinforced by you um, is the inner critic. You know, it's this like well-meaning, but misinformed and like completely like overreactive voice in my head. And yeah. it usually is like, it's this voice in my head when I hear it, it's just very fascinating. It's just right here in your chest. Like, yeah. what do you think you're doing? Like, that's, you're gonna get hurt. That's gonna be a waste of time. Um, you're gonna be pulling time away from your family. Like everyone's gonna think you're ridiculous. Like mm. uh, you're just gonna start it and not stop. You're, I mean, you're gonna start it and not finish. You mm. know? Mm -hmm. You're just, that's so frivolous and ridiculous and you know what if you fail mm. you know so for example I guess what's a good example of that is um I mean you mentioned the chicken coop right like our poor neighbors like are they gonna have to listen to the chickens which they do um, <laughs> or maybe a better example I'll, I'll go back is um and you can delete that that part before but so modern hive I wanted to design a swarm box for catching wild swarms of bees, which, you know, full stop right there sounds crazy <laughs> to anyone I'm explaining that to. It's like bees, wild swarm are three things that most people are like, no, I, that's why would you even do that? Um, except, <laughs> except, yeah, I, I was uh, a foster to rescued swarms of bees. Mm. 
because I knew with our ailing bee population that the best place, most people did not know this, the best place for them to thrive is in urban areas Hmm. because there's like an abundance of like amazing nectar from plants that are blooming all year round. And just within our own backyard, I know we've got like maybe at least five or six or 15 different types of flowers that they can eat from Mm, that we're not spraying with like crop pesticides. So if that's just our backyard, just within a one mile radius, it's like a buffet for bees. Yeah. Really healthy, good nutrients everywhere. Um, And most people don't know that there are beehives in urban spaces. They're probably up high in like wild trees. Um, But the problem that when they do notice them is when they start swarming on a building, like, you know, the front of like the Google campus, which is just down the street or like Apple and, or someone's front yard. And they usually get sprayed and killed. Right. Because they're afraid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And understandably, if you have a, if you have an allergy or you've been stung by a bee, you know, they're like, oh, that all they've heard is that swarms are are dangerous, you know, when in fact, when you take a step back, you're like, oh, that's a a group of survivors. They've done so well over the winter that they have strong genetics and they're ready to move to different homes. And they may be, you know, on their way to a hollow because what they do is they hop from tree to tree. Um, So I wanted to create a box where we could have a home for these little homeless bees um, to to help strengthen a really good group of strong genetics that are very much needed. Because as you know, um, bees are failing in our, they're dying. I know. And we need them. They provide, pollinators provide, I think 37% of the food that we eat right now. Like it's we're dependent on them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they're amazing. They're all women, almost all women. I mean, there's just all these amazing facts that people don't know. Yeah, uh, they work so hard, and they just the only reason why they will sting because they will die when they sting yeah. is to protect their sisters and right. the babies. So I wanted to create this box. Sorry, I'm going. At, this is a long description. This is great. This is. I great. hope it's a lot Please. of information for you to edit out. <laughs> I don't want to edit it out. I want people to get to learn. This is important. Think about yeah. it. Well, I think it's lovely. And so I was excited the more I learned about it. And I was like, I want to build a swarm box. And then I saw everything was ugly. And I share a perimeter in our neighborhood with five of my lovely neighbors. And I did not want them to see a styrofoam box with duct tape on the top of the roof of my coop. Yeah. So I designed one for myself. And then everyone was like, people were interested in what I was doing. Um, and then not just any people. Oh, yes. Well, that came <laughs> later. Um, yeah. So my inner critic was like, why, who are you to, you know, yeah. come up with a, it's just a wooden box. Like people have a box and beekeepers have done this for years. And how could you even improve on something that's just a box? And why would people buy it? And like, you have no new knowledge, you know, that's, that's what my inner critic said. Right. Um, But there's also another part of our voice. And it's not the frantic, like, you know, you're doing something wrong voice, there's an inner mentor that Tara Moore calls it. Yeah. 
And she is like, oh, she just talks from your core. And it's a slow, curious voice mm-hmm. that goes like, you know, how do we make this possible? Maybe you may not have new information, but it may be new to someone else. Mm-hmm. Would you be of service to them? Or if this is of helpful for you, could it be helpful for someone else? Yes. You know, it might not be for everyone. Some people may want to have just a cardboard box um, for their bees. But what if other people also want to have something out that's beautiful yeah. and that they see every day that delights them, but is also a home? Yeah. So those two voices are very different. And yeah. yeah. And listening to that voice of possibility, of curiosity, of maybe let's figure out how we can do this. We can listen to that critic, but we're not going to let the critic decide what we're going to be doing. Right. So there's, you know, there's a lot. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll just make like five of these and I'll post it and I'll say, you know, I ran into this problem. I kind of like this color. What do you guys think? Um, And you're right, it started to grab the attention of people I like. And I was, I mean, just people who are curious, who love food, but also, um, you know, beekeepers from single thread farms, uh, single thread up in Healdsburg, who they, I have a a friend now, her name is Candice Kasiba, and she is a beekeeper and forager for single thread. Um, and we were just starting at the same time. She's like, what did you do? And I'm like, okay, this is what I learned. Maybe you should do this. Um, and she was interested in what I was doing. I got to talk to another urban beekeeper and we ended up putting my box on top of the Heath Ceramics factory, which to me blew me away because I so admire the ethos of Heath Ceramics. And for your um, people who don't know what they do, they are a ceramic studio in San Francisco that it's completely you know, zero waste and very much um, mm-hmm. wanting to be of service to their community. So beautiful, beautiful pieces. Anyhow, I, I uh, fangirled that day. Like I just yeah. was like, I couldn't believe it. I think I was shaking before, during and after. It was, you know, so, taking that risk was scary and for sure people are like why why would you build a box you know you just use a cardboard box and of course that's an echo of my inner critic Mm -hmm. but what took a lot more time later and was much much more beautiful and I think I didn't expect was finding heroes people who understood and who were appreciative of what I had to, what I made. And then we could also learn together, you know? So a lot of these boxes before I stopped Modern Hive, um, it allowed me to meet people I like and admire, um, feel more confident in in my creativity. um, And then also feel like I'm not alone in doing this like weird little urban beekeeping thing. You know, there's other people who feel like it's important. And it also gave me the platform to move forward to write about it on house um, and also see the importance of maybe stepping into something bigger because right yeah to transition like the reason why I decided to pursue a master's at Harvard was because I very much 
saw every season, my bees were dying no matter what I could do. Mm. And I was like, there are bigger levers. There's bigger things and it's an mm. urgent problem. How do I step into, a, you know, how do I gain the tools to have a bigger effect on the things that I love? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was scared to do it. And of course my inner mentor just months of like, what do you think you're doing? Most people are Harvard, like Ivy League school, like you're not ready for this. Um, but my inner mentor is like, well, would it be worth it? Would it be worth it to just try? Mm-hmm. If there's a way to find it, even if, if you failed or even if it's hard, would it be worth finding a way to contribute in a larger way? Um, and so, yeah, I applied. I went through the kind of a year long process of applying and I was accepted into the program and I love it. Yeah. So I love the trajectory and the practice of listening, acknowledging your inner critic because there, that inner critic voice exists for all of us, but yeah. to your position, I'm going to use the Enneagram speak to your position. You sit in a place where not only do you as, as a nine, you are watching and learning and going along with what is happening around you. Mm-hmm. You also have the one, the reformer whose natural propensity is that inner critic. So your regular inner critic that anybody has is amplified by your position in the Enneagram and to use Tara's tool of, yep, that inner critic's there, but they're not going to get to make the decision. You're practicing the tool of listening to your inner mentor who asks those core questions. Would this matter? Will this have an impact for the greater good for <laughs> for the world i i love that tool of listening you know it's it's it aligns with who you are because you are more of an observer and a questioner and a learner and so <laughs> here you are employing that tool and and for those of you that are listening um Episode 32, I talk about Tara's book. (laughs) So I'll put that in the show notes to link you back to that too. But I love that that you have been a part of her playing big course. I had privilege to do that in 2015, as a matter of fact. So yeah, which I have had, you know. Yeah, and I've had the privilege to add to what you're saying of of learning from your experience because as much as I love reading the book, walking alongside you and you, you know, reminding me and inserting the knowledge at just the right time has been, you know, it's been transformative. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Well, and thank you for continuing it, right? You're still <laughs> meeting with them and, and really leaning in in those workspaces that she invites us to. Uh, if you're curious as you're listening to this, again, I will make sure that you have uh, the links to Tara's work because she is she's an incredible woman, a, 
practicing that mentor role in such a beautiful way and obviously having its impact on Iceland and and thankfully for me as well I um I come to this place in in these conversations where I I anticipate that I know the answer to this <sighs> final question, but I love. <laughs> I, but I love. You know me well enough. <laughs> I love hearing it though, because and then other people get to hear it as well. But we, the world, will tell us mm. what it looks like to succeed and to thrive. But I believe that God tells us what mm. it means for you to thrive. And, and so I'm just curious, what is your definition of, of thriving? Well, maybe because we talked about sustainability most recently, that's at the forefront of my mind. Um, I would say that, you know, thriving is, cheese the analogy of a plant, is having the nutrients, your core nutrients mm. to grow um, at just the right time to bring forth the fruits. Um, that you have within you and in the season that you're in. Yeah. So that being said, like my core nutrients are uh, the words of women and leaders, mm -hmm. you know, that, that are nurturing and help push truth forward and compassion forward. You know, I'll, um, if I need to, I'll be reading Toni Morrison or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or John Lewis. Um, and there's so many, you know, mentors. So where you can get nutrients from and the correct ones too, because there's a lot of nutrients that are kind of pushed towards us that aren't really edifying for us. It's just junk food. Right. Um, and then also, you know, there's a seasonality to it too. I I've had to, and I still am fighting against the mentality of like being productive and doing stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I watch my garden and there's a season of fallowness. It doesn't yes. look like there's anything going on on the surface, but you're just building up a rich store of nutrients because there is going to be a time where everything just bursts forward. Yeah. So being attentive to that time for me, I think that's thriving. Um, just getting those core nutrients so that I can forward during the season or rest during the season that I need. Right. Um, and that comes in the form of conversations yes. with my beloved friends like you, so which I miss so much during this season. I know. I know this is, this is as good as it gets in this season. Right. But mm. I'm, I'm grateful for technology and the work that people have done to make this possible that, that we can see each other's faces. Yeah. Um, Zoom was not brand new in COVID. It had already been existing, but people learned about it <laughs> because we need to see one another. That is, that is part of part of our need as community, right? We need mm -hmm. to see, we need to be with, and, and as mm -hmm. far as it is possible right now, this is, this is it. So we continue to look to thriving. And I love what you said about the core nutrients. That's so good. And, and that is going to look different in each person's life. Exactly. And at different times too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really wise. I love that. I just knew this was going to be a great conversation. <laughs> I, just I feel it. like we should record all of our conversations because I, I even go back in our journal entries. I'm like, oh, yeah, 
Lisa said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. I am a learner and, and I am always, um, enthusiastic and sharing what I've learned, whether people want to hear it or not. <laughs> it's one of those. I appreciate it. I want to hear it. <laughs> Again, the mutual admiration society, here we are. <laughs> but truly, for those of you that have taken your precious time and listened to this conversation, I hope you recognize that there are lots of ways to lead and collaborative work and life is a beautiful way to show influence. So Aislinn, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experiences. And, and I'll have all the ways for people to get in touch with you so they can learn more about what you're doing and keep tabs on you as you get ready to launch your work into the world when that time comes. And yeah, I'm just, I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you. And thank you so much for being on this messy journey with me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. From now to the end of the month of August, this is going to be an opportunity to celebrate with us at Let Go Lean In Podcast. So here's how this is going to work. Hop over to letgoleaninpodcast.com, the podcast website, and in the upper right, you'll see a button that says learn more. When you click it, sign up with your name and your email address, you will receive your first gift, a PDF on boundaries. And believe me, having healthy boundaries is an excellent tool in leadership. In fact, I would say it, it's an essential tool in leadership. So once you've signed up for the resource recap newsletter that comes out once a month at the end of the month, then you are automatically entered into my birthday celebration. Now, beyond getting that PDF, you will also be entered for one of three special prizes. So the first one is a leadership book of your choice. I have several titles and when you are the person whose name is drawn for that, I will let you know the titles that are available and you pick the one you want and I will send it to you. The second prize is a free Enneagram assessment. Normally I use a particular assessment that has a cost to it with my clients and so I will offer this as a free uh, gift to this individual whose name is drawn. And then the, a third person will have three sessions of coaching from me, Lisa Lewis. And then there's a grand prize. And that person whose name is drawn will have all four a leadership book of their choice, a free Enneagram assessment, and three free coaching sessions with me. Now, how do you do this again? You go over to letgoleaninpodcast.com, click the button that says learn more, fill out the information on the pop-up, and you will be entered in two things, 
onto the, the newsletter, monthly newsletter mailing list, you'll receive a PDF of boundaries and then your name will be entered into the birthday drawing for one of those four prizes. I will use a randomizer for choosing the winners. And if you are already signed up for the podcast, your name will be entered, or excuse me, not for the podcast. Oh my goodness. If you're already signed up for the resource recap newsletter, your name is automatically entered into this drawing as well. So you're not left out. You're a part of this already. So please hop over to letgoleaninpodcast.com between now and the end of the month of August to be entered into this special birthday drawing for our first birthday. Thanks for being here. 